Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, hello everyone. I am Leif Hetland and welcome to Kingdom Family Talk. And today I had this privilege of having one of my spiritual papas, and that is Papa Charles Karen. He's actually just turned 90 years old this year, and he's been in the ministry for over half of 20th century. And midway of his ministry, he had a personal crisis as an independent Baptist that had been studying the Word of God, and he had an encounter with God and just totally changed him, actually in a prison here in Atlanta. He went there to minister to a prisoner, and instead of that, the prisoner minister, and you will hear a little bit more about that story. And today, he's still going strong. Actually, I just ministered with him just recently, and he has an incredible ability to impart the gifts of the Spirit, setting believers on fire, uh, together with Dr. R.T. Campbell and Jack Taylor, that was his best friend. Uh, they did something called Word, Spirit, and Power with Dr. R.T. Kendall that you guys are familiar with. He represented the Word, where Jack Taylor represented the Spirit and Charles Karn the Power. So he traveled extensively, as well as he's written several amazing books, and he's always full of the Holy Spirit. So welcome, Papa Charles. It is such an honor to have you. So my first question to you, just share a little bit of your story, your ministry, experience, but specifically some of the encounters and some of your, I know there's a couple of stories that you have told me that just brought such a change and transformation in your life. I don't know what was going on with me, but I began vibrating and it didn't quit. When the song ended, I was still sitting there, standing there. I sat down, but I finally ran out of the building to the parking lot, and it was there I had an unspoken message from the Lord, and that was that the shaking, vibrating would never quit until I surrendered my life to him. (laughs) So in all honesty, he did not even give me a chance. I, I surrendered. I was baptized that night, and then about a year and a half later, I was still in high school and on my way to the bus stop one morning and very casually looked overhead, and in the air about 20 feet above me, I saw a vision of myself preaching, (laughs) and that nailed me to the ground. Wow. That was my call. It, vision was gone in a matter of a few seconds time. And it was over with, except that the impact and the effect never left. So that's how my ministry began. I was not happy with that. I was not volunteering to preach. It was strictly a call of God. And I'm glad today, all these years later, that I submitted. Mm. At any rate, that was the, the background of my call to the ministry. And the Holy Spirit has done some wonderful things in my life. I 
soon became a pastor, moved to Atlanta. My first church began, and I stayed there at the church for 11 years. And during that time, I studied in part at Columbia Seminary um, School of Theology, which was a Presbyterian school. Mm. And so here I am all these years later. I was back in Atlanta later for another church, another ministry, but my wife was in a tragic, tragic automobile wreck, mm. and our lives collapsed. I fell apart, and I, be I hate to admit this, life, but I became suicidal wow. privately. Nobody knew that but me, and during that time, I went to the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary to counsel a young prisoner who the year before we met had had a miraculous encounter with the Holy Spirit, had been born again, delivered from drug addiction, from crime, filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that wonderful year in the visitor's room of the penitentiary, he laid hands on me, spoke Ananias's words to Saul of Tarsus and said, Brother Charles, <laughs> the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And life, what is so awesome about that was the church that we were in, so to speak, calling it that, was the federal penitentiary with no one else there but guards and hardened criminals. <laughs> they were all the witnesses. But after I got home, <laughs> the Holy Spirit miraculously fell on me. The suicide and depression was snatched out of me in a moment's time. Wow. And listen, it was gone and never came back. Sure. Never. And the beautiful part about that is I've ministered deliverance, God knows at this point, well over to a thousand people and seen them be delivered. Depression and other negative influences, you know, that came in their lives. I've seen God do it twice. Deliverance that I was ministering to was witnessed by the police department and the paramedics. Mm. One of those instances, the police went back to their uh, station, wrote their report, gave the address, name of the people, and said um, what they had witnessed. But they said, we witnessed a successful exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the blotter. Mm. Wow. That was on the blotter. Wow. But you met some amazing people, and I thought about just, uh, I talked to Dr. R.T. Kendall a little bit about it, but your relationship to Jack Taylor, Papa Jack, because I know that, uh, just share a little bit about what you think about Papa Jack, what was your friendship, your All relationship? Right. Well, I, I can tell you this, long before Jack and I met, <clears throat> we were both in, we were both Baptists, but in different Baptist camps. And theologically a little different. My group emphasized the sovereignty of God to the degree that we never emphasized anything else. We never emphasized believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved. Like, I hate to admit that, but it was the absolute truth. Um, and Jack and I met 
uh, both uh, we were both invited to a conference in Atlanta, met, and it was one of those meetings where the Holy Spirit was moving very, very powerfully. And I would, the pastor asked us to go to each of us in the congregation to go pray with someone else and pair off in little groups of two. And so I did that and went to the first person and started to pray and they fell out in the power of the spirit. So I went, found somebody else and started to pray for them and they fell out in the power of the spirit. So I remember crossing the auditorium, going to another side of the room, finding someone, starting to pray for them, and they fell out in the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and it was at that meeting, the Holy Spirit introduced me personally to that incredible experience mm. and the power of it. Well, at any rate, Jack was there, saw that, and wanted me to go with him to some other Baptist meetings. And I did. I met Ron Phillips, preached at his wonderful church in uh, Tennessee, near Chattanooga. And it, but Jack had a, a wonder, and I became bonded, bonded friends. It was later uh, that I met R.T. Kendall, and R.T. and I bonded, just became incredible friends. Jack and R.T. knew each other. But we were not functioning as a trio until that began. Then, you, as you may know, we conducted almost 100 Word Spirit Power conferences. That's amazing. All the way from uh, London to Alaska to Toronto to all the points across the U.S. Yeah. Now Jack is gone, and I am at an age where I don't think the Lord's going to be using me that much anymore. Uh, I'm still preaching. We'll keep on till my last breath. Yeah. Um, and RT and I, of course, are still very bonded friends. Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember, but in Columbus, Georgia, we hosted, I hosted the first Word, Spirit, and Power, and it got to be the fourth wheel on the wagon. And I still have the picture of uh, together with RT, you, Papa Jack, and myself there. And uh, then I still remember that meeting very special at Evangel Temple in Columbus, I Georgia. Remember, I, remember, I remember the first time you came in a meeting where I was speaking <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, lay hands on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you remember what happened. But yeah. going back to the first Word Spirit Power conference there in Columbus, one of those services late, <laughs> I was preaching, and there were two, uh, two couples who came in and sat in the very rear of the building, and it was a good-sized building. Yep. And the Holy Spirit gave me a word of knowledge, pointed out the woman of one of those couples and said, go lay hands on her. So when I finished the message, I simply left the pulpit went back down the aisle all the way to where they were in the rear of the building, called her out, laid hands on her. She fell out in the power of the spirit. And I didn't know it, but she was dramatically healed. Wow. She was in such pain. I learned this later. She was in such pain that she could not move her arm and then when I called her out, she was very afraid, you know, of any excess movement. But she was miraculously healed. 
that first word spirit power conference. Wow. <laughs> Tell me what the, what excites you these days? I mean, we, we know there's a lot of things that the enemy is doing. We know a lot of things that God is not doing, but then God is doing something in this season. And I'm trying to help people, especially in a season when there's a lot of shaking going on. So now, uh, if you were to give some wisdom to people, Life. how do you navigate the chaos this, that is around? All right. This is going to sound not just surprising, but maybe out of line, but I don't believe it is at all. If you want to know what I think God is doing at this point, I think God Almighty is being an observer. Mm. He is observing wow. everything going on on the planet. And now it isn't that he is in that process making up his mind because with God, all of his thoughts were perfected before time began. That's right. You know, he isn't like we are learning day by day something new. That's not what's going on with God. But I am believing this, that God is an observer mm. at this point in history. And that there's coming a time when all that observation is going to slam to a close. We are going to see the hand of God Come on. move in humanity like we have never thought it possible before. Beautiful. I believe that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I was also going to ask you, because I know you've written a couple of books, and one of my, and I encourage everyone, and as soon as we're finished here, I want people to be able to know how to get hold of some of those books, but also how to connect with you. But All right. uh, what, uh, start with Edge of Glory. What is that book about? Just tell me. Right. I have about. a copy of it. Yeah. Here somewhere, I think. Well, no, I don't. That was my first book, really, a significant book. And it was interesting because, and I won't tell the name of the publisher, but it was a huge publishing house in the U.S. The um, editor who worked with me on that book told me years later, he said, Charles, he said, I have to tell you something. He was retired at that point. He said, I enjoyed The Edge of Glory more than any other book I have ever done. Wow. And which was quite an endorsement. But I simply, again, tell my experience in that book, a little bit of that, but not dwelling so much on the experience as dwelling on the power of God that came. Wow. And there are good Christian people out there, Leif, who, good Christian people, mm. who do not believe that God is impacting lives today like he is. Mm. My life was so radically changed. And I had been a preacher for nearly 30 years mm. when the power of the Holy Spirit fell on me. It was at that time I was in that horrible, horrible depression. Mm. And I have never been depressed again and never will sure. since the day that the Holy Spirit delivered me and taught me personally about his power to set the captives free. Mm. I'm I couldn't and, and this fact too I love my denomination just like you love your Baptist background I mm. love my denomination I love the people that are there but my my theological change was one that they could not accept no could not believe that there was anything more than being saved yeah you got born again. That was all God does. Mm. 
mm. takes care of you, blesses you. Well, that certainly wasn't true with me. No. I had a, after my new birth and my ministry was nearly 30 years old, I had an encounter with God Almighty that eclipsed everything that I had ever known in the past. Wow. Everything. Wow. And the significant thing is it blew my ministry apart, but blew it open. True. I, I had the privilege of traveling and knowing, traveling with Derek Prince mm. and being close with that incredible man and seeing the power of God move in his life and in his ministry and in the impact he made worldwide. And I had the opportunity of spending time with him. And I was with him. And I remember in R Russia, give you a quick example of the effect that it had on me. I was with Derek in Moscow and a young Turkish pastor that I had met um, probably three or four years before and had not seen since saw me in that auditorium in Moscow, came running across the auditorium, yelling, Papa, 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 grabbed me under the arms, lifted me from the floor, weeping and hugging me and kissing me on the cheek and just overwhelmed with the love of God. Sure. And there was something I may never have shared even with you. I haven't shared it a lot. But after my baptism in the spirit that occurred in 1977 and my ministry began changing, I had a dream one night. Actually, it was very early in the morning, probably 4.30 to 5 o'clock. I was asleep. And the Holy Spirit shouted the name Jifune in my ear. Jifune. He called me that. Hmm. Well, to be honest, I didn't remember having ever read or heard the name Jifune in the scripture, but I knew from that moment that it was a Bible name and he was a Bible character. Hmm. So I, I got out of bed, leaped out of bed, really, grabbed my concordance, found Jifune three or four times, and flipped the Bible open to one of the passages. And Leif, when I saw the passage, I didn't have to read it. I knew what it was. It was the instance where Moses sent spies into the promised land to bring back a report. Well, you remember that only Caleb and Joshua brought back favorable reports. I knew that Jephune was not one of the two faithful ones. Wow. And when I read that, I was I immediately thought, God, you're saying I didn't make it. I didn't pass. I flunked. I failed the grade. And I wept. I sat on my bedside and I sobbed. And then I got courage to read the scripture, the passage. And it spoke of Caleb, uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephune. Jephune wow. was not one of the spies, like I had assumed. Jephune 
was the father of one of the great ones. <laughs> and it was in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. These words, you are to father my Caleb's. Sure. Leif, you're a Caleb. Oh. That's the reason that God put us together in that father-son relationship. And, and that pastor in, in Russia that I had not seen in several years. <laughs> My point is this. There are Caleb's scattered various remote parts of the world mm. whom I will never see again. Undoubtedly. There are some in South America. Mm. Um, in Europe. I will never see them again. But we bonded in a spiritual union. Amen. Sure. And a spiritual connection that hell and all its demons can never pull apart. Cool. And even after I'm gone, and I, God grant that I live longer and minister longer, I'm open for that. Um, but even when I'm gone, the Jephunneh-Caleb relationship True. will still carry on. Mm. That's beautiful. Wow. That's amazing. Sure. Well, you know, occasionally, the Holy Spirit has done that to me. He has spoken Bible names that, in all honesty, I could not have told you they were there. Mm. There was another time. I was, well, soon after my baptism in the Spirit, and there was such intense opposition to me. And I won't say where this was. But there was such intense opposition to me over my change of theology. And I hadn't changed anything except to accept more of the scripture that God gave me to, to believe. But anyway, I was in a serious attack. Serious. And the people involved were deadly. I hate to say that, but... That was the truth. At any rate, it became, and it was an undercurrent, quiet sort of thing. <clears throat> it, it became so intense that I, I left home early one morning where I was living. And there was a ravine not too far from the house. And I would climb down. It was a forested, wooded, beautiful area, but with heavy woods and privacy. And, I would climb down into that ravine to pray. And I, during this attack, right after my baptism in the spirit, my anointing in the spirit, because that's what it is, really. Mm -hmm. I got down in the ravine to pray and instantly the Holy Spirit shouted the name in my ear, Ahithophel, Ahithophel. Well, I couldn't have told you, honestly, that I had ever even read the name Ahithophel in the scripture. But I knew in that moment that God spoke it, and I knew that it had to do with the crisis that I was in. So I ran, climbed up out of the ravine. I remember running all the way home saying the name Ahithophel, 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 because I had never remembered it before, I was afraid I would forget, which I doubt that I would have, but 
I kept saying, I hate the fell, I hate the fell. I ran into the house, got the concordance, opened it up, and to my shock, Ahithophel was one of the men who attempted to overthrow King David. Mm. And there was a parallel in overthrowing the new ministry and revelation that the Holy Spirit had Mm. not just made available to me, but had commissioned me in. Mm. Ahithophel and the scripture explained there that the Lord purposed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel wow wow yes that was all you know I was in a state of shock but that was the greatest news I had heard Mm. God had purposed to defeat Meaning the good counsel, good only because it was effective, not good in character, but good in effectiveness against King David. So looking back over the years of my ministry, I've seen the Holy Spirit do some phenomenal things. The greatest things, though, that I've seen him do, Leif, and you've been in ministry with me and seen this, I have laid hands on thousands of people now and seeing the Holy Spirit instantly drop them to the floor, many of them against their own will, Mm -hmm. many of them not thinking that they were in a danger of losing their pride, Mm -hmm. or that God was going to do something bigger than just putting more doctrine in their heads, that he was going to work in their hearts, he was going Mm -hmm. to work in their minds, he was going to work in their being, he was going to shift them, turn them around, send them back the other day, other way. Mm. And that he was going to be able to do that. Like, just like that. Mm. You know, if you get into an argument with God, you're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just love destined, I, I, You're doomed to lose. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the fire that is coming from you and, and I was curious just because I know a lot of people have been struggling with disappointments, loss. There's been so many things in this season. And I know you at the age of 90, you have faced all of those. But I, what I'm, I'm seeing is pure water flowing out of you, Papa. I'm seeing oh. you've been able to maintain a pure heart in the middle of all the pollution that is going on. Oh, so, my, yes. So then my big question to you would be, I'm 55. So if you were to give wisdom to a lot of us that are younger, how do we finish well? How do we be able to, by the end of our life, say what Jesus said in John 17, 4, Father, I have glorified you here on earth, and I finish everything that you called me to do. That's my prayer. That's my life verse, John 17, 4. So give us some wisdom. What are some of the ways you have protected yourself from being tainted? You didn't fall morally. I'm hearing people like last night. I heard another of the superstars that fell. And I've been hearing story after story of people that that are incredible anointing and giftings that are falling. So how do we maintain pure? How do we maintain and continue this journey to bring glory without going? Let let me begin by saying this. Of ourselves, we cannot do it. Our own flesh trying to defend the flesh Hmm. will never succeed. We're going to succeed only because the power of the Holy Spirit 
joins us in our march. And he joins us in our march to the degree that we want him and seek him. A casual relationship with the Holy Spirit will, for pastors, will give you a very casual ministry. Please know that. You are going to experience a ministry of anointing and power and fire because you pursue that with God. Mm. And the Holy Spirit anoints you with it. I also know that in the whole bulk of the ministry that we each have specific callings, specific anointings, mm. and we can't copy somebody else. That's so good. And that's the worst mistake. The seminaries make, they manufacture preachers yeah. off an assembly line and teach them how to preach, how to stand, how to smile, how to grin, how to emphasize the scripture. And that's okay. I'm not against that. But please hear this. Until the seminaries get these men filled with the Holy Spirit. Anoint them. Ignite them. It's all show. Nothing else. Mm. It's feathers in the, in the air. What the church needs is the power of God. I don't care whether you're a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or what. Get beyond that. Touch the fire. Touch the glory. Experience the Holy Spirit. Mm. Everything else is religious junk. If my wife were still alive, she would say, Charles, please don't say it like that. Well, my wife, unfortunately, <laughs> is with the Lord, and I'm going to say it. Come on. You're allowed There's to say There's a lot it. of religious junk that goes on in the world. A lot of denominational frou-frou decorations on the cake that's all it is what the church needs what's the ministry needs what the people in the congregation need is the anointing of the holy spirit Mm. well how is he going to come i can tell you there's not a church in the land that he would avoid if the people get on their face before him if the pastors and leaders will give up their religious silliness and get honest with God Almighty. Weep before the, between the porch and the altar and say, spare your people, O Lord. Well, I made a statement earlier that God at this point, I think, is being an observer. Mm. And I, I think that's true. And I think one of the things God is looking at and looking for is for men and women who are bold enough Mm. to stand up and challenge religious showmanship, Mm. challenge it with the scripture, challenge it, most importantly, with the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Come on. There's no argument against that. We can argue theology. We can argue doctrine. We can argue that until our breath is out of our bodies completely Mm. but i'll tell you one thing when a man or a woman under the anointing of the holy spirit stands up and god almighty falls on the congregation and lays the people out where the most dignified ones there Mm. 
are laid out on the church floor under the power of God. That'll bring about some conversion. Mm. And that's happening. Yeah. That's happening. Yeah. I, I've seen it pretty much every weekend. I see it. We were just, uh, yeah, every weekend I see it. But I, we saw it in Albuquerque this weekend, the weekend before, a Flora United Methodist Church in Mississippi. <laughs> First United Methodist Church in Flora. Small little place in Mississippi. The glory of God filled that place. People were being healed, <laughs> saved. The glory came in, and it was just glorious. So, uh, that's why I, I, I'm stepping yeah. in. And then, as you know, I just came from the Middle East, and I just came right before you saw me in Florida. But even there, I went into an area was full of Taliban and Al-Qaeda just six years ago, and they said, you cannot come into this region and area. And this time, six years later, they rode me in on a horse in, and they celebrated. Because <laughs> times, wonders, and mercy, Imam's hat had a cast, and he got totally healed. And that started, the first miracle started, and from there now, there's an open heaven over that place. So I have never been to a place so dark that light is not greater than darkness. I've never <laughs> seen so much fear where love doesn't cast out fear. So I just, uh, now I appreciate the, <coughs> I appreciate ordinary sons and daughters that are full of the Holy Spirit and power. Amen. And that are, that are loving and living love out loud by demonstration. Uh, if you were to give them, Papa, because there's a lot of pastors out there, and I know a lot of them feel powerless. I see it in their language and everything else. What are some, because I know a couple of the books you have written, you have given some secrets to it, but what would be some of the things you can say to a, a pastor? I, I've talked about five pastors just this week that are key pastors, but they are burning out. They are burning up their oil, and now they start to smell like flesh, and they're about to give up. And I know there's a lot of people in this season that are about to give up. So what would you give as a, as a father wanna, of fathers? All right, Leif, I want to point out this fact. In the four Gospels, Jesus spoke the word church only three times. That's in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. You do not find the word church in Mark, Luke, or John. It isn't there. But while Jesus spoke of the church only three times in the listing of the scripture, he spoke of the kingdom about 130 times. Mm. Let that soak in. Yeah. Denominational people who allow the denomination to control them, mm. the church to determine what they preach and what they do not preach. That's religious trash, mm. religious trash. These pastors, these churches need kingdom theology. Mm. They need kingdom concept. They need to get rid of the local church idea and the local politics and the local dominating influences in the local church mm. that's so deadly and dangerous mm. it's dangerous to the people who do it yeah and i'm saying again god is observing mm. god is watching figuratively he's got his notepad beside him mm. he knows who's being honest he knows who's being real he knows who's not of preaching certain scriptures because of the denominational preference. Mm. He knows who's being honest and genuine and bold 
and feel their commitment to God first and to the people way down the line next. Mm. Yeah, I think what you're saying here is what would it look like for each one of us to seek first his kingdom and his Amen. righteousness, not our righteousness, and then allowing him to add all these things to us instead of we perhaps are burning ourselves up with all these other things because we don't have the kingdom first and his righteousness. And then Amen. all these things shall be added. Leif, I want to say this, and I want pastors to hear me carefully. The kingdom is the foundation, the strength, the authority, the power of all gospel ministry. Mm. The church is nothing more true in our day than a building on the ground. Mm. And I'm not against denominations. Please know that. Mm -hmm. I am not against them. I love all of them. I've preached in every church from Roman Catholic and Catholic seminaries to Jewish synagogues. Mm -hmm. I love them. My concern is that we have to get honest with God. Mm -hmm. God is the one to whom we are answerable. And it's the kingdom. Beautiful. I do want you, Papa, to take some time. And I just think that what you carry and who you are, I sense that we all need to just get a fresh drink. The ones that are thirsty, I'm hearing the invitation. <laughs> I want you to come. I want you to come. If you're thirsty, come and drink. So from your innermost being, there's going to be rivers, rivers. And I see this picture of many people that are thirsty. They're just coming. And as they start to drink, rivers starts to flow again. And rivers of life. And wherever the river goes, there is life. Because to be in the rivers, to be in Jesus, to release the rivers, to release Jesus. And the Holy Spirit. So could you just uh, take a few moments if you want to prophesy her words of knowledge. But I just sense in that many of us, we are thirsty for more. We are hungry for more. And I do know that's what you carry in Papa. Right. Thank God for your asking that late. Because I'm very emphatic about the church, which I love. And the kingdom, which I preach and on whose authority I build and insist on my own ministry. I want to encourage every believer out there. And if you're not a believer, you better talk with God about why you're not a believer. Yeah. Just you say, God, well, I don't know whether you're real, whether you're there or not, that's okay. Mm -hmm. He hears that all the time. You come anyway, mm -hmm. just ask him, Lord, if you're real, show me. Let him have the opportunity. And then that same attitude to all of us to come back to the Lord mm. and in a humility and a reverence and a godly fear. Say, Lord, I want my life to mean something. When I'm finally put in the ground, I don't want to leave a life without accomplishment and significance and benefit to you and to the people of mankind. I want it to be real. <clears throat> and you don't have to ask God, you know, a whole lot before he'll start responding to that prayer. Mm. But you must be genuine. You must be sincere. 
you must be willing to lay aside the religious decorations and synthetic ideas. Just expose your heart to him, especially you pastors. Expose your heart. Ask him to speak and to show you the direction he wants you to go. And I promise you he will. And don't be afraid. He's not going to harm you. <laughs> Please know that. God isn't your enemy. God is your best friend. Sure. Life at the very end, I want to pray. Mm. When you're ready, you tell me. I am ready. And I think we are ready. Wow. <laughs> All right. Lord God Almighty. You have called us, loved us, cherished us, revealed yourself to us, and you've endured us. All our failings, all our misjudgments, all the errors, blunders, mistakes we made. And you forgive us. You forgive us of all of those, Lord. And now we're asking, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fulfill the promise of scripture to me that if I call on the name of the Lord, mm. I not only will be saved, mm. but as a saved person, I can be filled with the spirit. I can step into a new realm, a new dimension, a new zone, mm. and where you will begin to work through me and it will be you lord mm -hmm. not me and that you will allow me in confessing my sin and my failure then to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee lord we say with the hymn writer draw me nearer nearer Nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Oh, God, do it. Mm. Draw us. Forgive us. Love on us. Send us out with anointing and power to a world that's hungry and dying. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Blessings, Leif. Blessings. Papa, just tell us, how can people get in touch with you or perhaps get some of your books, website? All right. My, most of my books are still available. I've got a bunch of them. Um, most recent book is my personal testimony, uh, Hooray and Hallelujah. Yeah. It's not a theological book. It's a personal testimony, but it's got a lot of wonderful Bible teaching in it. Uh, my most recent book is this little book, Kingdom Living. Wow. Uh, all of these are available from Amazon. Sunrise of David, Sunset of Saul, Beautiful. I think is still available on Amazon. If it's not, it will be soon. Mm. This simply uses Saul, King Saul, 
in his failure to rule the kingdom to against the success of David mm. and to show how ministries today can be like Saul, mm. preachers that are going to lead and be determined from the idea of the flesh and prestige and arrogance and all of that. Now that's throw it out, throw it out. That's the sunrise of David. In another book, oh, this is the Age of Glory. This is the one you asked me about earlier. Yeah, beautiful. That's available. And then this little book, believe it or not, on whose authority, the removal of unwanted scripture is a, the smallest book I ever did, but it's one of the most significant that's available. And then my most, uh, well, recent book is this one, uh, Spirit in spirit empowered theology wow um i trust you can see that yeah uh, it's available it's 300 questions and answers on bible topics questions of theology questions of bible history church history and it's been um, a very meaningful book for those who've read it anyway there are other books i've done <clears throat> by the way that was the radical change <clears throat> that came with my fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Right after the prisoner laid hands on me, I my whole life radically changed. My ministry radically changed. I had never been a writer. I hated writing. I was a paid writer at one point, but I would put it off, put it off, put it off. I didn't want to do it. I'd make myself do it. After the Holy Spirit moved fresh and powerfully in my life, I couldn't quit writing. I've written no, besides the books, probably over a thousand articles mm. and that's not me that's god mm. that's god come on at any rate there you have it i love you papa and i just encourage everyone that is out there there's usually several hundred pastors and usually a couple of thousand people at least that are listening and watching this so so we're just going to share this message out there. And I thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for the love. I look forward to see you next week to give you a great hug next Friday. And we're going to be able to be together. Amen. Life, love you and love, love your you. audience. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland. And sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.